Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. It's Jonathan Jordan here, and I'm in the booth today with uh, Clint Walkner. So uh, we got a couple of the old veterans here of Walkner Condon. Dude, it's been a little time. I yeah. mean, I just feel like a lot's been going on. I can't remember the last time it was just you and I in here, and not like with Nate. But there, we've had so many, uh, so many great guests and, and and new people that are working with us that do such a great job. But it's the two of us today, and uh, yeah, we get to talk about uh, you know a topic that's been you know in the news and the media here over the last uh, week or so, and and that's uh, the election and and what it means for people when it comes to their money. So. And uh, we've had a lot of questions about this and, you know, everybody's, uh, you know, kind of looking and hearing what's going on. But do you remember 20 years ago what you were doing, Clint, around this time? Oh, the boy. Year, in, the, in the year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I remember that as well. Uh, let's see. 2000. What was I doing in 2000? I was uh, trying to uh, not enjoy my job at all as a staff auditor with uh, – National Futures Association. So I was probably out of that job by then, and I was uh, finishing up in my uh, in at golf. Let's see, I was in uh, I was working at Silver Spring Golf Club at that time, and then eventually I got my first financial advisor job because you know, at twenty three years old, who wouldn't want to entrust your life savings with a twenty three year old? So. Uh Absolutely. And I was making terrible financial decisions back then because I got engaged and had no money. And I was I was living in upstate New York in the mountains, um, basically working for a place to live. And uh, looking back on it, I, I do remember every now and then tuning into a TV because we didn't really have, you know, cell phones that walked around like computers. And I was checking in on the election results, trying to figure out, you know, one of the first elections I'd ever voted in. I think it was my second one. Um, who was the winner? And it was like every day, it was a new winner, back and forth, back and forth. And I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, how's, how does this process happen? And one thing I didn't ask myself is, what's it going to do to my 401k or what's it going to do to my investments? Because I had none of them. You had a 01k? Yeah, I had a 01k, exactly. <clears throat> and I remember, uh, you know, watching intently as the rest of the country was. It was a little different for me because my father was a Secret Service agent. I grew up in Washington, D.C. area, Northern Virginia, around politics. So it was it was definitely something I grew up around, but I had never seen, like, this is the dawn of the first Fox News and CNN era. You know, it was about eight years old at the time, maybe, maybe you know, six to eight years old. And it was always on TV. And everybody had an opinion on what was going to happen. And some of the same names that are talking about it today were just 20 years younger talking about it then. So, but there was a lot of interesting things that came out of it. I don't, I mean, when you, when you hear about what's going on right now and we're not here today to talk, you know, our opinions on it or, or the politics of it. But the fact is, is that we have, you know, a declared winner in Joe Biden and, and a, a current sitting president that is not conceding and is going to use legal remedies to, to try and contest the results in a number of states. And so this is going to have an impact in terms of like the view on what's going to happen and could this go to the Supreme Court? Politics can affect the markets, but it's always good to look back and see what happened in the past. And so do you, do you remember the 2000 era where you talk about investments? I remember earlier today in a meeting, you mentioned a stock that you got into back in the nineties and, uh, my first stock, Netscape, Netscape Navigator. Yeah. Netscape Navigator, the, the world's first like upstart browser, um, you know, is before internet Explorer, even, uh, Microsoft internet Explorer crushed next Netscape Navigator and, and pummeled it into submission, but I owned it when it was a high flyer. And, uh, you know, fortunately I, uh, I exited it, um, 
before it crashed, but then I put it into another stock that did not perform as well. So, well, it's amazing to look back on that. I, I, to me, Netscape Navigator, although I remember uploading it with the CD ROM in my computer, which was like a new thing, right? Because you didn't have the floppy disk anymore, or the, the 3.5 or whatever. I don't even remember how those things worked. And um, the, I remember getting in the mail, I would get these CDs. It was like free, download this to your computer, and then you can sign up and you're going to be able to dial up to the internet. And Netscape Navigator was like the competitor to AOL at the time. And yeah, I didn't realize you could buy stock in it. I wasn't that educated on it, but. Instead, you were, you were ordering uh, eight CDs for the price of one. Columbia Records. Yeah. I think, I think I just figured out they were still billing my credit card last year. So I've got, (laughs) never got those CDs though. Um, But no, looking back on that time, that was actually when we had come off of like the greatest run of the S&P 500 and a lot of it was, you know, with the dot-com stocks and, and overvaluation and watching what, what that, ha- you know, happened to the stock market kind of in the late, nine, you know, 1990s. So going into 2000, so we had the selection. It was, you know, coming off a, a two-term president. So we knew we were going to get a new president one way or the other. And if you remember, it was Al Gore and George W. Bush. And it was a very tight election. In fact, it came down to one state. It came down to Florida. And either one of them, if they won Florida, would put them over the 270 electoral votes. So we had to deal with five weeks of recounts, five weeks of the hanging Chad recounts, (laughs) the hanging Chads. Yeah, everybody. I mean, I remember watching the intent videos where you'd see just people sitting around counting them and they're all nervous because there's election officials over them. This was very contested um, and very, you know, watched closely by the markets and by the global markets, too. But in the end, I mean, it was you know, within, you know, thousands of votes, you know, a few thousand votes, but it went to George W. Bush, the Supreme Court validated it. And he became, you know, the 43rd president. I believe it was 40, you know, 40, or was it 42? It was his dad 40, I can't remember, but he was, he became president of the United States. And, and during that five weeks, some interesting things happened in the stock market. It went down pretty precipitously. And, you know, over that five weeks, it went down, I believe, you know, just a little over 7%. And what caused that and how can we extrapolate that data into kind of what we have now, you know, people may try and say, well, that was because of the election, but we were in completely different times then. And that was towards the tail end of a tremendous run of the S&P 500 and the dot-com bubble bursting because their profits and their, you know, earnings were far below what the lofty stock prices were valued at. So that kind of started to, to go down in initially during the end of that end of that year. Um, one of the things to look at, though, and we think that looking at this current situation as we look at what the markets are going to do is pay attention to small caps because small caps in the Russell 2000 during that time period actually outperformed by about 4% what the S&P 500 did. And then from the point when the election was decided till the end of the year was actually up. And you started to see, you know, the response there and because of how those companies are able to respond to, you know, changes in economic policy or, you know, once there's some more certainty to, you know, growth that we're going to have. And right now in this election cycle, we're in different financial situation as a country than we were then. Oh, like far our, different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, our interest rates are zero. Yeah. And that's, right now. I think that that's part of the reason why you hear this, um, a lot of people talk about the stock market overvaluation. I have heard of comparisons to the late nineties and, you know, but the difference is, is that a lot of the companies were, you know, so early in the revenue cycles, you know, the pets.com 
sort of thing during the late 90s. There was no revenue. There were no earnings uh, that these companies had. In fact, they were losing money hand over fist, and it was all these promises of future revenue. A lot of these companies that have what I would call stretched valuations, especially in the tech sector, they're actually making a lot of money, many of them. That's just, you know, people are paying for those because the alternative is to own perhaps a, a bond that's paying next to nothing. So I think that part of the reason why you do see stocks stretched uh, can be attributed directly to the fact that they're the only game in town right now. I mean, would you rather own, uh, you know, what are your alternatives? Do, would you rather own bonds? Would you rather own real estate? Would you rather own stocks? Uh, you know, Bitcoin, you know, uh, gold, there's, you know, some other people that, you know, may diversify into some of those other areas as well. Uh, but right now, valuation-wise, stocks are fairly expensive, but it still might not be a reason not to own them when you consider relative to other things. And I think you made a good point about, you know, I don't know if we will ever know the reasons why it went down. Was it valuation in 2000 or was it just uncertainty around the election? It was probably a combination of both. And if we do see a more contested election, what does the market hate more than anything else? It's uncertainty. Absolutely. And and with this, you know, coming in, we were getting asked questions about what would happen under different scenarios. And, you know, it's impossible to know. I mean, the, the week before the election, the stock market went down, had its worst month since, uh, since the summer, since June. But then we see the week after when there's no declared winner, it has a great week last week. And then Monday when the pandemic um, that we were, we were going through, when they announced good news on the Pfizer uh, vaccine, we saw the stock market pop yesterday and is continuing through today. Did you see where all the uh, gains were primarily out of? Tech was actually down. The tech was down. NASDAQ was down. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and it you, was energy stocks. It was a lot. It was several different sectors. Yeah. I saw mm -hmm. that yesterday. Yeah. It was more of like what we would consider to be value oriented sectors. Energy had a great day yesterday and some of your more uh, garden variety sort of like um, leisure, travel and leisure did very well yesterday. I know Carnival cruises is way up. Um, I was watching a few of those stocks yesterday. And I think that part of that makes some sense, right? Uh, there's, there's two different reasons for that. Number one, uh, there's a thought there that if we do see a significant amount of uh, people going back to work, then the work from home stuff isn't quite as valuable anymore. Uh, so that could be one reason. And the other reason could be if we do see a shift in um, view towards technology companies, uh, more regulation or potentially antitrust, uh, you know, sort of things going on with that. We, I think that you could see uh, the horizon for tech companies might be a little bit more difficult. They're going to be in a little bit more of a restrictive environment, which they haven't had a lot of. And I think that that's actually a fairly bipartisan thing is that uh, people are seeing that a lot of these social media companies have really become uh, almost too powerful or data you know, data aggregator, big mm -hmm. companies like Google, um, you know, they might not be uh, seen as uh, as they have in the past as far as uh, viewed in, in a regulatory lens. Well, and, and, and also to hit on that too is the, you know, the belief in the public in terms of our democracy and then the belief in investors in the validity of the investments that they have and that they're not being propped up. It's not, you know, something that's artificial. That there's actually... There is, you know, an economy behind it that's growing, that's producing profits, that's con producing consumers going out and, and, and buying products, goods, and services, or utilizing the, the technology that businesses have to better their business. There needs to be faith in that. And, you know, we, we, 
we can't say for certain that everything is is ever going to work out, but we know that when we look back in the past and the advice we give that it has, and then we do advance on. There there are some big elephants in the room. I mean, if we're if we're you know honest with ourselves, honest with our clients, we know that that one of the biggest problems that we're going to have moving forward. Um, and it might not pop up for, for a number of years, but it's our national debt. Do you know what it was at in 2000? I, I can't even mention it. Let's think again. It's a fun it's game. A what do you fraction. Think it it's a fraction of what well, it was. It is a fraction. But in uh, 2000, in uh, coming into to October of 2000, the national debt was at $5.6 trillion. Oh, yeah. So, and after eight years under George W. Bush, you know, coming in when it was uh, – he he basically had brought it. It was it's up to ten trillion under his presidency. Now it's not always the president. When you look at it, you know it's actually the Congress that that has the power of the purse and does borrowing limits and and spending bills, and the president signs it. But it always seems to fall on the president, because I remember Barack Obama when he was running saying, you know, you got President Bush running around here with a credit card just spending it up, and you know, just running up a national debt, and if we can't do it that way. Well, from two thousand eight. You know, when he became president in early 09, we saw it go from, you know, 10 trillion to when he left office in 2017, it was at, it was at 20 trillion, 20 trillion. Okay. 20 trillion. So, so it doubled. And now, in, now in four years, what is it? At 30 it, now? No, it's at, it's at, tw- well, right now it, I think it crossed over recently 27 trillion and we're looking at, at at least a couple trillion dollars of stimulus, which the market loves some stimulus. And we know that's coming regardless of if Biden you know, continues on as president elect. And, and, and I know he's declared that. So if there's people out there listening, we're just saying, we know the situation that's out there. Whoever's going to end up being president though, there's more than likely going to be stimulus put in there because of the pandemic. And that's not going away and that's going to be a financial issue. But we tell our clients to stay the course, to keep their long-term goals as the priority and not try to make timing decisions. Because do you know when the market hit its all-time high from after the pandemic, um, you know, that we saw it go down, you know, 30 plus percent. Do you know when it hit its all time high? Today. <laughs> Literally, while you and I are on this right now, it's at its all time high. I, I, I was going to look at that. Did you, did you, so believe- November 10th, it hit its all time high? I mean, it's, we're, we're, we're right now at one, uh, 150. Tuesday, November 10th is when yeah, we're recording I mean, this. It, and, and it may, you know, don't, don't, don't mark us for that exact, but it's throughout the day yesterday and today, it was at such lofty points that, that you know, it's tipping on these all-time highs. Of, it, it needs to settle in for it to be official. But right now, most of our clients would not have felt back in March and when things were selling off that it would have recovered this quickly. And we don't know when it's going to recover, but we know that over time, it's a great place to have some of your money. And there's fear with the election coming up right now. There's fear that... Um, you know, our national debt could crush us. And I try to, to really be patient if I have clients that, that try and time the market because I understand that they have these feelings or emotions about it. But when has emotions in our, in our investing ever been a wise thing to pay attention to as opposed to facts and figures and math? Facts don't care about your feelings. They don't. That was a whole nother podcast. I remember that was it, but they don't. And Nate, if you're listening out there, Nate would tell you they do not care about your feelings. They're facts and our emotions that play into it. And the facts are, are that we've been through contested election before. We've been through tough political times. We've been in through division in our country. Um, right now, there's a call for unity. There's a call for, for you know, working across the aisle. And we seem to always see that. And then, you know, we're probably going to get more towards where 
it's like Wiley Coyote and the Sheepdog, where you go home and hopefully you can be friends. And when they go to work, they're going to be fighting. And with social media nowadays, it, it, it does create a lot of um, heightened emotions of how people feel. Um, we want to let you know that, you know, when you're talking to us and we're talking about your money and those emotions, like we have to take a step aside and we have to look at those facts and start asking the important questions about what matters to you, about building towards your financial future, making wise decisions, and trying to predict where things are going to go under a Biden presidency or under a Trump, you know, re-election, um, under any of those circumstances isn't going to help if we're trying to go off what we think is going to happen. Yeah. So, and, you know, I will just say this too, is that I think that the the political environment is so toxic right now and everybody is so heightened. Uh, all their emotions are so heightened when it comes to these sorts of things. And the government is only one thing that influences stock prices. And I would argue that the, the government only is able to do something with stock prices a little bit. I mean, the market is made up of companies. Companies are run by people um, that are outside of the government um, and outside of of a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of these situations. So you, you can't just say that, you know, the stock market is going to go down because a certain presidency is coming in or a certain, even if we had no split government, um, you know, we have special elections that are going to be coming up in Georgia. I mean, say, say the Democrats take everything. The world's not going to end if the Democrats, you know, run everything and the world doesn't end when Republicans run everything either. It doesn't matter. You know, the market will adjust to it. The market is very fluid. There are some situations where, um, a more pro or anti-regulatory environment can benefit companies. Um, and in some cases, uh, government stimulus has a positive or negative impact on stocks, usually positive. But in the end, companies are companies. They are not governmental entities, and they're going to do what's in their best interest to continue to increase their revenue and continue along being a going concern. So um, you know, have faith in the fact that your uh, companies in your portfolios are doing uh, what's in what's in their best interest and adjusting to any sort of political realities that they have. And one of the, one of the best uh, lines I've ever heard is that uh, correlation does not equal causation, and 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 saying that correlation not equal cause does not equal causation. You know, you look at COVID. If someone were to say, "Well, COVID really." really tank the stock market. Well, we're still in the middle of COVID and it's higher than it was when it started. So we know that it can't be, you know, attributed to that because the stock market has done well. I mean, the, the best long-term correlation with the stock market is, is profits and growth and good companies, right? And companies that aren't good companies don't seem to stay in the S&P 500 forever. It's the, it's, it's profitable companies and where they're going. Um, this time, I, we believe that there's different dynamics in there. For example, companies like Apple being in a complete, diff completely different position, the way technology stocks have driven the NASDAQ. But there are, there are opportunities out there for things that over the last couple of years have been undervalued and not grown that were a part of that index. That's been driven really by a small handful of companies that have gotten very large. Um, and it's interesting that you know, some of these companies, they, they, their ties into politics or emotions or people's spending habits and consumer habits. You know, it, that, that, that stuff that makes me more fearful is the, the idea that, you know, as a country, you know, our freedoms and our ability to have disagreements or differing opinions on things, um, you know, how our, our behaviors can be influenced by the things that we read. And it's a good chance for us all as, you know, on any side of the aisle to take a step back and just ask yourself, you know, do, are my beliefs my own? 
and are the facts and the things that I believe in, are they real on both sides? So, you know, but when you look at the stock market, you look at investments over time, you can actually see the value of it. For example, if you see Tesla stocks been going up um, because they're finally starting to show profits and over the years, they've kind of been a volatile stock and, but I actually see Tesla's out on the road. You can see, feel, and touch like what they're doing and the technology. Um, looking at my cell phone today, there's more computing power in my cell phone than was in the entire NASA organization when we landed Apollo on the moon. And to think that we have this type of technology at the at the tip of our hands, and I'm like, oh, I guess it's time to upgrade to the new iPhone, you know, because my daughter needs one. I got to pass it down to her. She's going to get one that has all this computer, you know, you know, technology and all this power behind it. Um, it's how do we wield it and how do we use it? Is it for better? Is it for, you know, continuing to advance society? And there's there's a lot to be optimistic about. You know, we want to make sure our clients know that, um, you know, this is why we do the planning. This is why we have the meetings. Predictions, you're not going to get them from us because they're sure to go wrong. We'll give you our thoughts on it, but, you know, I don't think anybody in our office has walked around and said, let me give you my predictions because you never know. And here we are. You know, the only prediction that I that I was willing to give was that um, somebody's going to be elected president and somebody's going to probably contest it. Didn't matter which side. And, you know, that that looks like it's what's going to happen right now. But I don't know who it's going to be, but it's looking like Biden. And as we go through this next five or six weeks, we want to make sure that we don't make any rash or, or emotional um, financial decisions or, or ins or out of the market that we continue to pay attention to it. And if it sells off, it's an opportunity to pick up some more. And if it goes up considerably, it's an opportunity to take some gains and move it around. And that was what we believe diversified portfolios that are being managed and maintained, um, you know, in a responsible manner is going to get you to your goals, you know, more likely than trying to time it out. So that's exactly right. Well, uh, we'll continue to keep everyone abreast of the situation Um, as it unfolds. We'll continue with some market commentary on a regular basis. And uh, thank you for joining us on this episode of Give Me Some Truth. Walkner Conan Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walkner Conan Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and is not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific security investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.